Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Queer Tokyo podcast. My name is Videl, and I'm the global head of audio at Bookwire. This is a new podcast about digital publishing through the lens of NFTs, crypto, and blockchain, where every week we dive into this new and fast moving world, looking at how authors and publishers can take their first steps in creating digital originals and NFTs. So, today I'm joined by the Queer Tokyo General Platform Manager, so someone who we've heard before. It's Carsten. Hi, Carsten. Hi, good evening to everybody. Very nice to have you back. I'm sure those of us, uh, those listeners uh, who've heard before, will find you now a familiar voice, which is great. I think this is maybe, is this the third or the second time? I'm not sure. I think it's the third one. Yeah, 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 third time lucky. It's a hat trick and it won't be the last. So great to have you here. Uh, I think let's just, shall we just introduce our guest? Yes. Let's go ahead. So, I mean, this week we're really excited. Uh, we have a great guest we have with us, Arvind Kamse, uh, who'll be talking about his work in the NFT world, specifically around marketing and marketing strategies, marketing expertise. It's a topic we really wanted to cover for a while. And well, without further ado, hi, Arvind. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. And you're in Vancouver, right? In Canada. Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. So connected digitally from across water and land and all the rest of it. But it's really great Mountains. to have you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, just to jump straight into it, tell us about yourself. You've got a really super interesting background. But I think instead of me trying to do it, I think uh, we'd love and our listeners would love to hear. So tell us about your background in marketing. Um, I know you've worked with different kinds of brands, different, big, small, and, and also how you really got into the NFT world. And, and then we'll take it from there. Sounds great. Yeah. So I got into marketing somewhere around 2012 until uh, 2016. Um, and then I started as a blogger doing some influencing for brands. And then I started with um, helping smaller businesses, startups, and then worked my way up to uh, larger businesses, public companies, Fortune 500 companies. Um, and with the public companies specifically, my role was investor relationship marketing. So I was managing 500K uh, plus a month. And the goal was finding short-term investors, long-term investors, and then basically nurture them until they invest in the, in the company. Um, and so I had that experience. And um, I also was very determined to, for the next big thing that came through. So first thing was for me was like crypto where I saw it and I didn't really jump on that. Um, and but I was determined. Next big thing that comes through, I wanted to be that person who actually jumps on it and just really doubles down on it. So on October 2021, there was an artist from Italy. He approached me and he had ten uh, digital arts, and he wasn't. He didn't have a large following or anything. He wasn't really big on NFTs himself. He just wanted to just try it out, see what happens. And so in a week, we sold out his very small collection, but we sold out his collection with like a few hundred dollars spending in Twitter ads. And to me, that was the beginning where I thought, okay, this is a proof of concept. I can do this for NFT brands. And in that month alone, I started telling everyone and said, hey, listen, like I do um, NFT marketing. That month alone, I worked with about 100 NFT brands. And to this date, I worked with about 400 NFT brands. And some of the ones that sold out, they're top, you know, top 40 in the world on OpenSea. Uh, we've hit number one uh, trending on OpenSea, number one trending on IC tools. And you know, people made anywhere from on their mint day alone, not even considering the royalties on their mint day alone, people have made anywhere from 400K to about $10 million. Uh, dollars, so. Okay, wow. 
So that's a lot of activity since yes. October, and it's such a new world, and that's what's so interesting about. Yes. But I think in order to 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 grow and for everything to grow, we need kind of expertise, and I think that's obviously why why we, we're so interested to talk to you. So, I mean, my my first question is maybe around. Well, what are the most important elements? What have you learned all of doing all of these different projects? What do they have? Are there things that have in common and that can drive things? And what what can you kind of share in a kind of top line level? Yeah. So on a high level, I think biggest thing for for someone who is looking to start their collection um, and promote it, or someone who already has a collection, or even someone who already started minting, really, um, to the mindset is very important. So a lot of times people get into NFTs and they want to just do it as a side hustle. And the reality is that this is, if anything, it's, it's, it's even more complex. Well, maybe not more complex, but it's more involved than any other startups that you can think of. It's very fast paced. So in all these 400 or so NFT projects I work with, when they sell out, they sell out in a matter of four to six weeks. So there's no time for making mistakes. There's no time for, um, I mean, obviously people do make mistakes, but I'm just saying it's just very fast paced, right? Um, and so um, so there's that. And then also, I believe the business acumen is missing in a lot of, a lot of the teams that I've, I've worked with. So that means a lot of times people don't really realize like, okay, so what, why they need to do marketing? Like how they need to do marketing. And certain, certain the skills that comes with a business owner, you know, b- doing the, a small business, large business, whatever that is, it's just missing in the NFT community. So typically it's an artist. Um, I mean, you guys case, like it could be an author. And then let's say they find a developer, they help them to have the, let's say, smart contract, the website ready. Um, and then they, they may have, they may or may not have an investor and then they just go. And that's typically what, what it's like. Um, and so it's more involved than that. I'm happy to get into more details of things, but a lot of times, even people just go in and say, okay, well, I have my art. Let's just put it on OpenSea and then let's see what happens. And typically nothing happens really. Like that's, I think that's probably, um, I can save people a lot of time by just telling them like nothing happens if you do that. And so even if you're, you know, the best artist out there, like well-known artist, And I know that because actually I happen to know like a, um, someone who who is world class artist, and he tried that. He actually tried that, put it at like uh, some large dollar amount as well for his, for his NFT price, and barely anyone bought it. So it's it's not even the name, right? So even the name can't pull it. There is a specific way to actually promote it um, and then sell out, and that we can obviously go into details of that. But to understand that, hey, like you need to actually build up the what we call in the NFT, like the hype, right? So we need to build up that excitement. Or maybe hype has a maybe negative connotation, but it's the excitement. It's just the- Attention, I attention, guess, right? Interest, yeah. attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you got to build that up and you don't want to just, and this is goes back into what I was saying earlier. Like you don't want to just do one video and be like, here's my NFT. And then you guys go buy. It's not like that. It's more like, hey, there's something going to come out like, in the next 30 days and it's going to be huge, right? So you're just like building it up and you just tease people. You say, hey, like here's a sneak peek of like what, what let's say the game looks like. Here's like a, maybe um, a paragraph of this chapter of this book, right? That is going to be there or whatever, whatever that is for artists, for they have a game, if like something is happening in the metaverse, just showing like little things, just teasing people into just getting really excited for it and then eventually do a epic 
do an epic drop uh, where everyone just goes crazy. Everyone gets so excited. They all want to buy it. Um, and then they do and you sell out and then you can do more of those for the future collections as well. So that's that's the that mindset. My understanding is that a lot of times it's not there. So a lot of times people are just like, what they want to do is just say, okay, I've, done, I've got the art. Let's just put it on online and see what happens. And like literally nothing happens if they do that. So Sounds familiar for me for, for studying marketing in, in the last century. So we told uh, always the story about the AIDA principle, attention, interest, desire, action. Yeah. So the, the hype, if it's connotated with this bad feeling, it always has been the same in the marketing scenarios um, where we have to, to have an attention. The people need to know about things. They have to have the interest to to pull information from today, from Discord, for example, or Twitter, and then have the desire and at the end, the action to buy a story. And you have uh, just given a perfect example of what maybe our listeners can do with just giving snippets of their books. So if you're an author and just providing some information about what is coming up in the in the future. But I have a question on uh, what you did with this artist, um, if, if you want to and can tell about that. So if there is really a great artist who has some art which is has been sold in, in the real world and then he decides to, yeah, let's see how NFT is working for me and putting up an image onto um, OpenSea and not providing any information going through this AIDA funnel, for example. So I think, and that's what we want to do, we want to have a platform which is dedicated to publishing so that we are not getting lost into this great sea of open sea where everybody is putting in these nfts and my question is what did you do to help this guy with his art and is there a good possibility to have an nft which was dropped days or months ago which are years in the web c scenario and can you get the hype back to this product Yeah, so actually, full disclosure, they came to me after they failed. So they thought they do have the biggest name. I'm not going to name it, but anyone on the planet Earth, if you ask about that artist, they would know. So it's it's that big, right? But even but that's like a prime example of even then, you can't really just rely on your name because they say you're a great painter. Uh, actually, he's no longer painting, but his uh, family still has his artwork and everything. But he was a great painter. But here's the thing, like he's not doing NFT collections, right? He's not big on NFT collections. That's the thing. So there's a, that distinction for people to understand. And this is happening with like, so I, I happen to actually consulted like AAA Hollywood um, people as well. And same thing with them as well. Is that like, you've got a name in your industry for things, but in NFT, people don't know you. And it's it's like a... It's actually a really important distinction for people to understand. It's like when you come into the NFT, that doesn't mean like everyone's just going to fall and buy everything you have. And that has happened with multiple people in the who are very well known. Obviously, I don't want to name them, but that they've done this and that they had to just like basically close their, their minting after it wasn't going well. Right. So it's very important. But on the on the other side of things, so like how do you actually do this if let's say they have a big name? They obviously, if they have a big name, there's a reason they have a big name because their artwork is great. So that part is taken care of. So if they just do the marketing really well, meaning like they grow their Discord, they grow their Twitter and have a almost army of people who are um, what we call whitelisters, then they're going to be able to uh, sell out and not just like sell out, 
but sell out like quickly as well. So some of the projects I worked with, we sold out in like seven minutes, eight minutes and on the public, on the public sale. And so um, we can get into details of how that works as well. But the, the concept is those three things. So building your Discord, building your Twitter and building your whitelisted community. That's really what drives a, the marketing of NFTs. So if you don't have those pieces, you're not going to sell out. And if you do, you very likely you will sell out. And also just something else, I think I asked people in my community, in my Discord, I said like, you know, what's the biggest challenge you guys have? And then they said like, every time Gary Vee says 99% of the um, NFT brands fail, we get closer to that point of failing because like people believing it, right? But he's to some extent, what he's saying is true because a lot of people don't know what they're doing in the NFT. And there barely any books for it. There barely any content for like NFT marketing. Even to this day, if you just go on YouTube and just type out NFT marketing, you'll see all of the content is NFT marketing 101 because no one knows what's past that. So that's that's the thing. It's just like the, the content is missing, right? So most people just shooting in the dark um, and then they learn from their own experiences. Like today, someone just uh, on my program, he, he just came in and he told me, he's like, he spent 100K and he learned that like some of those influences he used weren't really helpful, um, right? So now he knows for his next collection, what to do, like what, what kind of influences to use, what kind of influences not to use, right? So certain things, people just learn it by experience. But obviously like I'm happy to, like I can tell some of those mistakes that people made. So then your listeners don't have to do that. Yeah. What do you think if you're talking about Gary V's um, quote um, that a lot of these projects will fail and not going to make it? I think um, often to come back to the hype, um, if we are just talking about this hype and um, having a hype cycle where everybody is talking about this new PFP project, whatever, but there is not really a roadmap or really anything behind that where you can see what this product will be in the future. So maybe there are something comes back from your work um, from from the last year so if you are talking about investors relation i always think about my job i was doing advertising in the past and i was doing some um, jobs with uh, investors as well and i'm thinking often of talking about nft projects in the same manner as if i'm doing investors relation to say we are going in a good direction we have this roadmap and it's a big part of the discord server so i just edited the the roadmap on our discord server i just started in, in january so i'm in a bit uh, in, in a hurry to to get everything up and running but i think this roadmap is very important to have so do you have an idea on on these failing projects um, and where are the best practices yeah 100 and by the way as for the just the connection between investor relationship marketing so what i was doing with investor relationship marketing was we had like for example a series of emails so they had a deck for investors we had a series of email that would like let's say first email would be like what's the opportunity right uh, second email would be like who's the team uh, third email would be like what was the technology that like we developed or like what's the solution we'd be providing fourth one would be like how do you get um, involved fifth one so on and so forth right so it's just like an investor deck we have that as a roadmap and like a um, you know it's like here are the things that we want to do um, and then also here's uh, the team um, here's like if you actually look at any nft website right now it's literally just like a deck for investors right and that's exactly what it is and that's That's primarily why like, I had success in this because I came in knowing exactly what investors look for. And so to me, everything just looked exactly similar to what I was doing already. It's the same story, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so now going, going to your question, it's like, okay, so what are some things as far as utilities go? Like what's important? Obviously a PFP project. So that is a, just a, for your audience, just a project that's just about like a profile picture. So it's just like an image that's not going to cut it anymore. Back in November, maybe that was still okay. But let's say, you know, six, seven months ago, that was still okay. At this point, I don't think people can get away with just having a PFP project. And even if their art is great, just there's so much going on right now online. So if let's say you're doing your Instagram ads, you're doing Twitter ads, like everyone's talking about like joining our Discord, right? So everyone wants to get your attention. So you have to have a reason why your project is different. So for example, one of the projects I worked with, San Vegas Casino Club, the messaging was, you can be the house, the house always wins. Now, the reason for that is, the utility is that they give 50% of the profit of their casino, which is in the metaverse, in the virtual land, um, to the owners, to the holders of their NFTs, right? So they say, hey, you can be the house, the house always wins, right? It's very simple, um, very clear, communicated to people. We barely, like for the marketing, I barely even showed the artwork. I just, I had a video that was just communicating that. Right. So you can be the house, the house always wins. So actually one of the best things a project can do, which is a, a distinction between like winning and losing in, in this like battle of uh, NFT marketing is having a very clear message. A lot of times like founders, they have like all sorts of stuff in their head, but it's not like really clear on, on paper, really clear on their ads. So people don't understand it. And then if they don't understand it, they're not going to buy into it. Right. So that's, that's very clear. So one big thing is just having, just understanding what's your strength, not just like, because what happens is a lot of sometimes projects also go on the other side of the spectrum, but they're like, okay, we don't want to be a PFP project, but now let's just go pick every utility from any brands that we've seen that's been successful, put it into one and then just call it our own. That doesn't do well neither because unless you have the track record to be able to build such a big um, like roadmap, people are going to call you out on it. So let's say if you say, hey, I'm going to do DAO, I'm going to do staking, I'm going to do a P2E game, um, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to create my own token, I'm going to do this thing, that thing. You have to have a plan. So on your roadmap, you have to have actually demonstrate that you you either have the track record or have the track record and experience to actually be able to deliver that, right? And also plan it out fully. So so that's the second point is like, okay, so first of all, you have to have like something about your brand. You can't just, you can't just make it a PFP project at this point. Um, and the second thing is like, you got to really flesh out everything in your roadmap. Um, if you don't, what happens is people may join, but then when it comes to a few days before the mint day, they're going to be on the fence. They're going to be like, oh, I don't know. And just prime example of that, San Vegas Casino Club, when they were about to sell out, I called my sister and I said, listen, um, they're going to sell out. This is totally insider information, right? So I said, hey, they're going to sell out. Just go buy, buy a bunch of their NFTs. And then and she was like, uh, not sure. And I was like, what do you mean? And then she goes, well, they, they're talking about all these things they're going to do with this casino, but the casino doesn't exist. I'm like, huh. So we put an offer on the day of the mint day. We put an offer on uh, a place on, in Sandbox. Say, hey, like we're buying this place. And a lot of people just rushed in to buy it, buy the NFT because they were on the fence for that reason, right? So that specific um, item on the roadmap say, hey, like we're going to do all these things in this casino for people wasn't really 
really explain well like how it's going to happen so when they put that offer they showed the commitment a lot of people believed it and they're like okay now we're going to go buy this nft right so that's very important and then some of the few mistakes that people make one is like the website crashes it's like it's such a simple thing that to fix by the way like you can you know have it on the cloud do some ddos test on it and then if you don't what happens is if on a private sale, so the day before, for example, if you're a public sale, um, if website crashes and you have a lot of newbies in your in your Discord, for example, what happens is like people thinking your project is not doing well. They don't know like the website crashed, right? So they just look at the stats and then they say, okay, this is not really going well. And then they just drop off. They're not going to come back on Discord, see if your website is working or not, right? They're just completely gone. And you just lost all those people. So I've seen people like I've seen brands that have enough uh, people on their Discord, and I can tell you guys what enough is in a second. But enough people on Discord, enough people on Twitter, enough people on whitelisters. But their website crashed, and it just gave an impression to newbies that no one's buying just because they couldn't, and then the whole project just bombed. Right. So so that's really important. Another thing is we talked about you know how like they need to have everything about the roadmap clear and just do AMAs, like ask me anything with people and just make it clear. But another thing is sometimes people give away NFTs um, to attract people to follow them or join their Discord. So for example, on Twitter, they say, Hey, we're gonna give away this many NFTs. And then if you do XYZ for us, maybe like tag us, follow us, tag three friends of yours, we're gonna give you NF free NFTs. So the problem with this is that this is fine if people who are getting those free NFTs not listing it on the day off or even like a few days after uh, the mint day. If you think about the psychology behind this, so let's say I'm giving you something for free and let's say you're not really invested in my project. You just got a free NFT from me. It's very likely that you're just going to go list it. And for any dollar amount that you listed, you make money. You profit, right? So you're very motivated to actually list that, right? So you get a, a low floor, floor price. Exactly. So, so yeah. what happens is, like this, this happened with one project I saw. Lots of people that got free NFTs on the day of immediately when they could list it, they all listed it. And then the floor price dropped like significantly. And then no one was buying into it. And then everyone just left, right? And then everyone just decided that they're all going to list it. And the complete, like, it was just the whole thing just bombed. Right, so so there we are with a, with the dark side of hyping yeah, topics. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so so that's like another reason. So what we so the solution for that, by the way, you can actually make it in your contract, in your smart contract, that they're not allowed to actually list it for the next thirty days, or next sixty days, or ninety days. Um, Didn't you that? Yeah, you can actually make that. And so okay. this is what, what we do every time we do free NFTs. We'll make it so that like they cannot list it, and so it's very important. Right, because we don't want to just shoot ourselves in the foot. So that's that's another thing. And then one probably biggest thing I've seen that causes a lot of brands to fail is few days before their mint day, I literally have like a sheet of like all the items that they need to do each week. And then on that uh, time, like a few days before the mint day, I have something like it's so everything is super complicated. But that one item, I have like eat well, sleep well, make good decisions. The reason is I've seen people, it's just a very emotionally engaging type of activity, right? So for four to six weeks, sometimes they barely even sleep. They're working really hard. When it gets to a few days before the mint day, people make the weirdest decisions. 
And I happen to be the observant of many of those on a daily basis. And this is by no means weird. I, I know this guy, I love him, but like he literally got married on their mente. Like another person like got like moved. So you have it in his ring. Yeah. And actually like the coolest thing, by the way, happened with that. Is <laughs> his project going well. But like the coolest thing happened is like uh, a lot of people on his discord made a video for his wife. And it's like the coolest thing, you know, like he's his NFT project actually got into his personal life. It's super fun. But the point is like, you want to really like plan out everything. So you don't want to have, you, you want to just, this is the only thing you're doing, right? So you don't want to have like other things to distract you, especially a few days before the men. But more importantly, a lot of times brand uh, build their discord um, up to three to five times the number of collection size. So that's the no exact number you need to have. Let's say if it's a 10,000 collection size, you need to have 30 to 50,000 people on your Discord, for example. Um, on Twitter, you want to have half of the collection, half of the size of the collection size on Twitter. So let's say if it's a 10,000, you want to have 5,000. Whitelist the same, half of the size of the collection. I think we have to repeat that. Okay, cool. We have three times the amount of the minting yeah. um, on Discord. Yeah, three to five times minimum. And so if it's a 10,000 collection size, you want to have 30 to 50,000 people minimum on your Discord, right? And this is what I was telling you earlier on. These are the numbers they need to actually hit, right? So for Twitter, they need to have half of the size of the collection size as Twitter followers. And engagement rate for Twitter must be minimum 0.5%. And, and then for whitelisters, they need to have half of the size of the collection as whitelisters. So meaning, let's say they've got 10,000 collection size, they need to have, let's say, 5,000 people as whitelisters. It's a very aggressive whitelist strategy. So point being, these are the numbers they need to hit. And sometimes people do hit it, but because so many people have NFTs now nowadays, there, every person is a member of at least 20 Discord servers. And this is something people don't sometimes think about, right? So they need to actually think about this idea. What happens is they forget. They simply do not know when your mint day is. So five days before your mint day, you need to actually go even harder with marketing. A lot of people stop. A lot of people just say, well, we've, made, we've hit our numbers. Let's just pray it's going to go well. It's like, no, that's not how it works. If you have an influencer that they could talk about your project, that's a, that's a really good time. You're retargeting ads. That means people who have landed on your website, they engage with your Facebook, they engage with your Twitter, your uh, followers of Twitter, followers of Facebook, followers of Instagram, all these people, they need to be shown ads to show them and say, hey, our mint day is in five days. Our mint day is in four days, three days, two days. And we do that tease with them as well. But the every day, they need to just be very, very clear and aware that this mint day is coming up. Like this needs to be become their biggest, uh, like most important thing. Because the flip side of it is that imagine these are busy professionals. They have kids. They could have you know school, work. They could have all sorts of things in their life. But you're trying to get in front of them on those days and just say, hey, You've been participating in my Discord for all this time. This is now the time for you to actually do your minting, right? And if you don't do that, project with large number could completely fail because people don't just remember. And the reason for that is just we've got so many things going on, right? So those are some of the big reasons why I've seen, I've seen brands fail. Now, I guess one more thing would be the marketing budget. They spend it um, and they spend it on wrong things. So for example, mass DM. Um, or 
they spend it on, and for people who don't know what mass DM is, essentially you're sending a direct message on your Discord to other Discord members of this other servers. Um, and then you just tell them about your project, but it's spammy in the nature and it goes in the volume, hence why it's called mass DM, but it's not effective. And it brings you people who are not interested. You just get like maybe high numbers and sometimes even fakes or uh, bots and they're not going to buy. So um, it just does more harm, but that takes marketing dollars. So people spend a lot of money on that. And then they come to me and they're like, we made a mistake. So mass DM, let's say buying fake followers, uh, buying fake members on Discord, fake followers on uh, on Twitter, like all of those things that actually doesn't help you. And sometimes it even harms your project. That's another reason why projects fail because it gives you a wrong impression of how many people actually you have in your Discord, for example. Like you see, you've got like 50,000 people, but because they're not real, they're not going to buy. And then you know, the project fails. Right? So those are some of the reasons why majority of projects actually fail. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is that it's in, in a way, I mean, it's like any other, other project that you're trying to generate interest for. It's about its attention. I just keep on thinking again and again, it's building up that attention. And when I hear you talk about your invest relations background and the deck and everything, it's very, very kind of, you've got a very clear process. And I think that's maybe, and because, and I'm not really in necessarily the, the crypto NFT world, but what I understand is that it's been driven by creators and artists, but they don't necessarily... Uh, have that background and they don't necessarily concentrate on that it's not their strength and so i think that's what's that's what's really interesting and it shouldn't be because everyone has different uh, special you know areas of, of focus and interest so i think it's super interesting yeah what i'm thinking is uh, that in the beginning it has been like these investors which are going into the pfp project and after all these well-known projects there were hundreds of other ones where these investors were thinking about earning money just by investing into these projects. And I think, or I hope, we are at a tipping point where NFT is just a technology going into other kind of products. So um, what you were talking about right now, and uh, maybe that's a good question. First off, it's a good information to see how many users we need on Discord or followers on Twitter, and how the engagement should look like. And the biggest information on that is, it has to be real and organic and not fake because otherwise we as the NFT artists, if I can um, call myself like this or for our authors, um, we might think that the audience is big enough and then we um, have the drop day and we will see, you no, know, everything was fake. So I'm looking for a future where NFT is a technology and the products which are evolving are products which uses these technologies For example, as you mentioned in the beginning, we can have an excerpt out of a book which is not yet uh, released, but uh, maybe the NFT holders can get the first chapter to have a look into the book or maybe even PFPs out of the characters from a book um, to, to use them in the metaverse. Or um, I have been on a, this is a metaverse festival two celebration in Decentraland. Maybe you, you know that uh, has been in Denver and in, in uh, Decentraland as well. And uh, because I have been into a one project from the speaker heads, I got a t-shirt from the speaker heads. So maybe these NFT things are turning into something I got to know from my childhood where from back to the future, we had t-shirts, we had uh, 
um, action figures. We had everything you can imagine. And today, as we are all living in the metaverse, maybe the NFTs are just a technology to, to have all these merchandising products or similar products, for example. So um, do you think that these numbers and the marketing view on how to build up a community will stay in that way if we are talking about products which we all not really know because these standard products, if we can call them like that, I don't know if there's a standard, but these NFT projects uh, with the PFPs and everything we know about them from the past might be on that way to have a whitelist and so on. But can you imagine that in the future there is a product which has a mint day and maybe it's just in the shelf and everybody can buy them and maybe not on the mint day and it is not sold out after two seconds or two two days and it might be a, a successful product as well or do you think the nft world is not ready for that and um, these products have to be like we know these nft products yeah i think so the the psychology of buying hasn't changed for years so that has been the same i mean i don't know if centuries have been that long <laughs> Um, been living that long, but I know for like from the time I know and I understood things. I mean, it's just think about it, just like going on a date, right? So your first date, you're not gonna spend like 10 hours giving them everything like they they need to know about you, and then like next time they'll be like, I don't want to go on a date again. Like you know, I already know everything. Like why would dating? Like you know what I mean? So so that's the concept is that it's just that's how human nature works like there needs to be some curiosity there needs to be something to learn something to discover something to explore and not necessarily like to fake it uh, there could be actually things that people like learning and hey this thing is going to come out soon or like this is how we're going to do it in the metaverse and so on and so forth so i think there's that i don't think that part is going to change i think the build up to buying is just always going to be there i don't think that's going to change I think what will change though, as all these large companies coming into the NFT communities, and as they've already, some of them already done, then what happens is the profit that uh, NFT founders make, first of all, it goes down. It won't be as profitable. But second of all, everything is just going to be regulated. So meaning a lot of times right now, and actually that's like a trouble for as an investor. So I, I buy NFTs myself all the time. So does my sister. A lot of times these hypes, they don't have anything to back it up. So that that will change. We're getting to that level where a lot of brands actually popping up. They're trying to actually like read through people's contracts, figure out like people's backgrounds. They like they do like like people from cybersecurity, for example, they do background checks on people um, that are running projects and then telling everyone else, right? Be and especially because we're in, we're going toward that like decentralized uh, world transparency is going to be so huge. So it's going to be harder. Ultimately, it's going to be harder for brands to fake the hype, meaning like just say, hey, this project is so cool um, when it's not really like it's just the hype, right? So because right now we have a lot of that, a lot. And it's very unfortunate, but we have a lot of that. So I don't think people will ever want to just make it so that like there's no build up to things. But I do see a point where Uh, the application of NFTs is going to be so widespread where certain things doesn't need the launch. Like you just buy it off the shelf, just like you're saying, right? Certain things, it's just like, for example, if Adidas just doing, they've already done a bunch of launches of NFTs, they don't need to do a launch every time. They just, this time, they just do an 
email to their or they on their Discord or let's say on their socials, they just say, "Here's a new product coming out," right? And and then that's it. Like they don't need to do any more of that, right? So and or people just go to their virtual store in the metaverse, like for example, Adidas metaverse, and then they browse and see things, and they're like, "I'm gonna buy this product." Um, I like this like T-shirt, so on and so forth. Oh, there's sneakers, blah blah blah. Not we don't need a launch for every single product of theirs. Right? So people just go buy it, and that's just the application of NFTs. And I 100% see that. Like we, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of that. But the the side of things where it's not with attached to the large companies, we're still gonna have launches. We're still gonna have like all these like artists who want to get in uh, to the NFT community. They still need to do their launches. Possibly, maybe we get to a point where there's enough foot traffic in the galleries, for example, in the in the metaverse where artists don't have to do launches. They just place their art into some gallery in the metaverse. And then as you go browse these galleries, because you do in the metaverse, and then you'll see their art and then maybe you just buy it, right? So maybe it's possible, it's possible, but that's, that's not happening right now, right? So we don't have that yet. Yeah, I think uh, there will be both products in the, in the future. So we will have art and um, some kind of these things which need the hype cycle, which need more of this AIDA principle, so to say, to, to be bought. Um, so if it's just an artwork, for example. And on the other hand, I think or I hope that we will have products in the future which will be of use in the metaverse and whatever kind of scenario which are just bought right out of the shelf yeah. and if we are switching into the view of our listeners here which are authors and publishers i think they live in a world where they think the the web3 and the nft solutions might just be uh, another distribution model um, to have a book an audiobook or whatever publishing related products might be to be sold on a different way and this can be hyped so if some author is doing a book which everybody is waiting for then we might have a big hype and maybe this book is if it's just a drop uh, we can sell for for an hour and have an unlimited amount but only selling this in within an hour then maybe we will sell a lot of these or maybe we have just one book of another author where people are waiting for and we will do an auction maybe we'll raise a, a big and high amount of money from from that But on the other hand, just publishing your stories, I think this will just be something like books or audiobooks. Can you imagine a strategy or some ideas which might be successful out of your um, learnings? For authors? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So for authors, I think that the thing to think about is it's not like they, they have to have utilities because they like people are going to read their content, right? So like, that's the point of their, their book, but it's good to create things to give people reasons to not go into the traditional, just buying the physical copies, for example. Right. So some of the examples could be like, there's a chapter that it's just never been published from a book. Right. And then they only get it if they buy the NFTs, right? They could be a meet and greet with the author. Maybe it's just like a zoom call with the author. And then like everyone just gets on that call, they ask their questions. And then I understand that concept, but sometimes even though if it's like, let's say if it's a fiction, people want to know, be like, what, what were you thinking? Like what is next? Like they have questions, right. For that person, especially the loyal fans of the author. So it's actually a very exciting thing for people to be able to just get so connected with the author, which is by the way, 
one of the biggest purpose behind NFTs for authors is that they get to be closer to their fans versus say the traditional, let's say the agent would get, first of all, some of the royalties The like some publications would get some of their royalties. And then they were so far away from their fans. They have to have like all these people in between, but now they just get to be so close with their fans. They have their art, people buy the NFTs, and then they get to consume the book whenever it could be like 3 a.m. in the morning, right? And then they support the artists in a way that's never been done before. And then also it's really cool for artists because again, the concept of like royalties in the past, that was just kind of different for artists in a sense that, you know, maybe the agent, the cover publication they go with, that would decide or dictate it. But now they get to actually say to themselves, hey, this is a royalty that they want to get, maybe somewhere around three to ten percent. And then also the price of their work, like a, let's say a book, let's say 50 bucks, right? So let's say like, if, even let's say like a really like, you know, a physical book, let's say if it's 50 bucks, it can't go any, any more than that. I mean, there are actually some books in marketing. There's now, I found some on eBay, like there's this marketing book. It's like a few thousand bucks if you want to buy it because there's no, uh, it's limited, right? But that's actually the concept of NFTs as well. So there's certain things that they could create that are limited about their books, uh, where people want to be holders of their NFTs. And ultimately, the price of their book can, could actually go up, which has never been done before for them because they just typically come up with a number, which is same as everyone else's. And then everyone buys those books. If they have royalties, great. If they don't, well, they don't. But then that's that's been the case. But now they have a lot more control. So that's really cool for, for the for the authors. So going back to questions, some of the things for them is just having, creating things like, hey, meet and greet with the author, um, maybe some hidden chapters. Uh, maybe it's going to be like, if they have this, for example, NFT pass, maybe they get to read like, uh, or they get to actually get all the books that this um, author has and all the books that is going to come for the next, like maybe six months or so on and so forth, right? Until they hold it. If they lose the NFT, they're not a holder anymore. They don't have the pass to, you know, get access to the new books that are coming out, for example, right? So there's certain things that they could create so that incentivize people to not only just buy the NFTs versus the physical or even digital, like on Audible, but also actually just be excited about holding it too, not just to support, but also be able to actually get the benefits of what the artist is providing. Now, I haven't seen this, but I think even authors could do things like DAOs, like they could come up with things where they say, hey, like, everyone in who holds this NFTs, now we're going to go buy a bunch of other books um, and then we're going to distribute it amongst ourselves because so if, let's say if someone's just into classics and they, they found one author, they probably want to read other authors' books as well. And then they want to actually get into other communities as well. And so maybe the community itself decides, hey, we, these are other books we're going to buy, right, for ourselves. And so there's a lot that could come up from that community-driven uh, things that could be considered a utility where only NFT holders would get access to them versus if they just buy the physical copy, they just bought, you know, a bunch of papers. That's, that's what it is. So that's the difference for them. I'm still processing everything. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. That's super interesting. I think, I mean, that's like Carsten said, and what we've been talking about is, 
yeah, how publishers and authors can think. I mean, a lot of publishers and authors of these books have uh, inbuilt fan communities who have been in various ways super engaged along the life cycle of an author who might be writing lots of different books. The book might be a series, they might not be series, but you know, they might be fans of that author. And I think that's what that's what lots of publishers, I guess, need to start thinking about as well, how to engage those fans. And you've, you've taught really, really with a lot of insight about how to um, how to kind of create interest and and to drive those communities up to the point of the drop, right? And that's how to it's about getting the attention. So I think there's so much in it there, Carsten. I mean, I think we're getting to the end, unfortunately. But I think if it's all right, I would like to just say it's been great to have you. Thank of you. Of course. Bye for now. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. So, Carsten, wow, that was great talking to Arvin, wasn't it? As someone who's very new to to this world, he was saying he started really getting involved in October 21. And I was thinking, October 21, hmm, that's a long time ago. And then I realized it was last year. Not a year at all, yeah. It's, It's great, yeah. But he's bringing a lot of really useful expertise that he's learned from other businesses, but he's just applying it because, I mean, we're going through this big process of professionalizing on the on the marketing side. So the technology, the crypto world is super advanced and blockchain, but it's also, you need to create the demand. You need to create, you could call it hype, but maybe just call it interest. I come from a book publishing background and that's what publishers do. You create interest for your books and on launch day, you want to make sure you get into the charts and you get great sales and and then you keep building it. But you have to build to that launch day, the publication day or the drop day. It was good to hear it like that. Yeah, feels like just normal. I would love to hear some feedback from our listeners on on Discord, Twitter or wherever they get in touch with us um, to to hear whether it's useful or not. And I think this was a very, very useful episode. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just to wrap up, I think as always, please join our or check out the, our Discord community. Creatokia.com is the website. So please have a look there. If you haven't been there before, you'll see a lot of information about what we're doing on the platform and our plans and, and our drops are there as well. And join the newsletter. So there'll, there'll be a sign up page there on the newsletter. And um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please keep listening. And it's great to have everyone listening to us and give us some nice five star reviews if you can on places like apple and spotify and wherever else yeah thanks a lot for that yeah yeah so i think great episode great questions Carsten, and we look forward to the next one now so i think from us both of us right we say goodbye yeah goodbye until next time bye-bye <laughs>